Good morning. Hope you're having a, memor a memorable Memorial Day weekend. That's hard to say. Um, thank you to Mike for the presentation on Memorial Day. That was very interesting and, and uh, very appropriate for this day. Um, so often we tend to forget what Memorial Day is all about because we have cookouts and, and grilling and camping and, and we don't take the time to remember the sacrifice. I thought because of it being Memorial Day weekend that um, everybody knows the mottos of the United States Marines. That's one that everybody knows. Um, Semper Fi or Semper Fidelis, always faithful. Um, so I thought, well, it'd be nice to know some of the other mottos of, of the services. So the Merchant Marines, in peace and in war. They're not often considered a branch of the military, but they risked their lives, and during World War II, they suffered very heavy casualties um, in the shipping across uh, to Europe. The United States Coast Guard, Semper Paterius, always ready. The U.S. Navy doesn't have a current motto, but the old motto was non sibi sed patrae, not for self, but for country. And then the US Army says, this we will defend. I suppose that they marked out a piece of ground and that's what they were gonna defend. Um, United States Air Force has an unofficial motto, uno ab alto, one overall. Um, I suppose that makes sense. No. Um, There are 473 mottos among naval units. Even though the Navy doesn't have an official motto, a lot of the units and ships do. I'm not gonna do them all. <laughs> um, and there's 36 mottos among the Air Force. So I thought it'd be interesting to look at just a few of those. The 1st Marine Division, that's what my dad was in, so I had to do that one. No better friend, no worse enemy. Appropriate motto. The Navy SEALs, the only easy day was yesterday. And then the Naval Intelligence, in God we trust, all others we monitor. And the Air Force Strategic Air Command, war is our profession, peace is our product. In the third, 327th Air Force Willow Grove Station. Ah, we were going that way anyways. And the 5th Bomber Wing, Kaya Okai Liwa, Guardians of the Upper Realm. Now I suppose that some of these are Latin, obviously. The last one looks like it was Hawaiian. I know that there are some that are in Cherokee, um, and there are some that are just plain English. 
But those are the unit mottos of, of the military um, and the people that, uh, that serve. And I think probably we've become spoiled in this country and that we've taken freedom for granted. And we don't really think what freedoms we have or what freedom really means. So I looked up on the net, and according to Bing, freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. It's the freedom of choice. We can act like we want. We can be an idiot. Or we can be loyal. We can pray in public. We can do the things that we desire to do. In the uh, freedoms, the absence or subjection to a foreign domination or despotic government. In New Testament times, the Jews were subject to Rome. Um, and they had to do what Rome said. We're free in this country. We don't have that. And if you're thinking of these in a spiritual sense, we don't have to be subject to demonic influences either. We don't have to be subject to wickedness or slaves to sin. So freedom's about not being subject to that. The state of not being enslaved or imprisoned. I said that backwards, but. Being able to come and go as we wish. We don't have people monitoring us when we leave. When you go across state lines, you don't have to stop at a checkpoint. Um, like in a lot of countries, you cannot travel. So that's the state of being physically unrestricted and able to move easily. The state of not being subject to or affected by a particular undesirable thing. Given immunity, exoneration, or exemption. Having a leeway or a margin of protection. Space. You wouldn't think of space as freedom until you start thinking about confinement. And you think about the Berlin Wall. Those people were not allowed to cross that wall. And people were killed, and they risked everything to cross, dig tunnels under it, um, to get to freedom. Um, so, the ideas of freedom carry over to the scripture. Now, the Constitution grants the citizens of this country certain inalienable rights. Among these are the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Doesn't guarantee happiness, but we can pursue it. Um, and the Bible talks about freedom. And according to the concordance in my NIV, there are 28 verses that specifically mention Free, freedom, freed, or freely. Now, if I spend five minutes on each one of those, we'll be out of here in about two hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, 
I didn't do that. We're not going to check all these verses, but the sermon's more going to be an overview of freedom. It's kind of like a survey course in college where you just kind of hit the high points. Um, we were freed from chains, death, law, anguish, and sin. And so the first scripture is Psalms 118, verse 5. And it says, In my distress I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. Or as the way the Message Bible puts it, Pushed to the wall, I called to God from the wide open spaces. He answered me. God's now at my side, and I'm not afraid. Who would dare lay a hand on me? God frees us from our own distress and worries and gives us confidence to live freely. In Psalms 146.7, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. What good is freedom if it just means we have nothing left to lose? The song about me and Bobby McGee says, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And there ain't nothing if, if it ain't free. Well, freedom's more than, than nothing. God provides for his people. The vote, this verse is a note of encouragement to trust in God, who defends the defenseless, provides for the needy, shows favor to the righteous, but foils the wicked in their pursuit. I've been through some tough times, and I know people here have been through some tough times. And it's usually during those times when we're really struggling, it's when we feel the Lord's presence. It's really when we, we look to him for the freedom. Freedom to free us from our distress, from our anguish. And you can think back to how God's provided for you during those hard times. So you can testify along with the psalmist to God's love. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon who is it that can get this freedom? Is it only the good people? Is it only the people that have done things just so or just right? No. It's an invitation to the wicked to turn from their ways. And at one point, we were all sinners. And we've all fallen short. But God's made a way. And he's willing to free Freely forgive the mess that we have made of our lives. Not because we deserve it or because somehow we're better than others, 
Isaiah in 43:25 says, I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. Not because you deserve it, but because he wants us to be acceptable to him. Romans 8:2. I love this verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Yeah. How easy it is to get tangled up in sin. How easy it is to get trapped. I was a substance abuse counselor for many years, and I've seen people get addicted to all sorts of things, all kinds of drugs, all kinds of things that weren't even meant to be drugs that they use. Um, and it's not easy. It's easy to get addicted. It's not easy to get away from it. And, you know, and, and we want to be moralistic sometimes in our approach to addicts and say, well, they deserve that but they didn't. It's not their fault, really. They made a bad choice or a bad decision and got caught up. Who here, raise your hand, I want to see it, has not made a poor decision? Who here has not made a poor choice? <laughs> Very young one. Um, but people get caught up Sometimes, just on the first time they made a bad choice, they get caught up and wrapped up, and it's, it's a terrible thing to get caught up in, 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 an, in a, an addiction. Um, and just so you know, you can become addicted to anything. Um, drug, food, sex, money, shopping, Sugar, that's a white powder too. Um, and people do get caught up. I've not met the addict that was able just to put things down on their own and walk away from it unscathed. Because if they were, then they weren't really addicted. Um, and it takes help. It takes a hand up and a hand out to get out of addiction. Well, that's what sin is. We're addicted to sin. But God says there's no condemnation for us. I know I'm compulsive enough. I have to kind of be careful what I do. And it's not the big things that, that you do that get you caught in the trap. It's the daily little things. You know, you can just start doing one little thing. And the next thing you know, it becomes a habit. And then it starts taking up more and more of your life. And it gets you more and more tangled in. Maybe in the beginning it wasn't too much, but it works its way in. But God has made a way out of it for us. Psalms 116.16 talks about, Lord, truly I am your servant, I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. 
And you think, okay, this guy's a servant, so what, what, what's the change? In verse 3 of that psalm, he indicates how much trouble this servant was in when he called out to the Lord. He turn, uses terms like cords of death, anguish of the grave, overcome by trouble. Yet, here he is in verse 16, acknowledging God's freeing him. But freedom isn't free. There's a cost to freedom. And I feel like I can almost skip over this section because we sang about it so well in the songs. Um, Romans 3.23, it's probably an understatement to say this is one of the most known verses in our brotherhood, but it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now Christ made the atonement for us through his blood. That means he shed his blood for us. It wasn't... Freedom is free to us, but it costs Jesus. And it costs God. So freedom's free, but it's not cheap. And in Ephesians 1, 6-8 says, To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, and the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God gave his best. He sent the one he loves to be our redemption. Roman th Romans thought was that slaves were freed by a payment of a ransom. So Christ paid this ransom through his death. Note that the payment that Jesus paid wasn't just enough to buy our freedom, but it, that it was lavished upon us. And it was done with riches and grace. There's some theologies that say there's only so many people that can come to be saved because there's only a certain amount of grace available. And so if you're not saved, it's, it's because there wasn't enough grace for you. I don't buy that theology. I don't see God as being a God of just enough. God is a God of abundance. He's provided a way for anyone who wants to come to freedom, who wants to come to salvation. In Revelation 1.5, it says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. The faithful witness is the one who had a first-hand account 
who was there, who knows what he's testifying for. That's Jesus. He knows who God is. He has a relationship with God. He knows God's plan. And he was able to bring it to us. He's the firstborn, which means he's the heir. He's the heir apparent, um, the prince, the one to become king who loves us to death. He's identified as the ruler, king of kings. And it's interesting that the temptation that Christ was put through by Satan, Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he'd bow down while he became the king of kings. And not by bowing down to Satan, but by resisting him and by shedding his blood to purchase our freedom. So what's this freedom get us? What's the freedom get us? It's freedom to serve God. Psalms 119, 30 and 32 says, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes. O Lord, do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commandments, for you have set my heart free. In this section, the psalmist is seeking God's guidance and trying to follow God's laws and commands. And it's not a bunch of rules and regulations that we have to obey, but it's a source of security and joy. It results in freedom. You think about driving down the road. There's rules to driving down the road. And those rules help keep us safe and secure in our driving. And we're hoping that other people are following those rules too. The heart being set free is literally, literally enlarging the heart. It's swelling your heart with joy. As contrasted with being a heart weary with sorrow. When we serve the Lord, we have a source of joy and a source of strength and energy to do more as opposed to being wearied with sin. James 1.25 says, But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of, Christ, of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, it is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. And that's the message Bible. Um, James contrasts the freedom we have in following Christ to the sinner who is a slave to sin. Obeying the moral law gives the Christians freedom to be what they were created to be. It's kind of like the army motto, be all you can be. That's what 
the freedom has given us, freedom to be what we can be. Romans 6.18, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. So as Christians, we've changed masters from being a slave to sin to being a bondservant to righteousness, willing servant to righteousness. So what's the benefit of switching masters? What benefits do we have to be servants of the Lord rather than slaves of sin? Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So he's given us the power of an abundant life. It's said that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. And Galatians chapter 5 has a lot to say about that. Has a lot to say about uh, freedom. Galatians 5, 1 through 9 says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I'm emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or other rule-keeping systems, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the way of circumcision trades all of the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. That's the message translation. So we don't have a system of rules that if we follow, make us acceptable to God. Not only that, we don't get caught up in those who do that have such a legal system. It's more like do versus done. If we try to do enough to earn our salvation, how do we know when we've done enough? Salvation has been done for us and given to us freely. So we serve not because we're commanded to, that we have to, out of obligation, but we serve out of love. Not to earn our salvation, but as an expression of our thankfulness for all that's been done for us. God wants us to seek him. He wants us to serve him. But if we depend on rules and religion to save us, that's rejecting Christ. It says so right there. 
So it's not about doing, it's about accepting. In Galatians 5, 13 to 14, teaches the other side of slavery. Not a slavery, slavery to the law and, and to a system of rules and regulations that we have to keep, but a slavery to sin. It is absolutely clear that God called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. So after getting out of that sin that entangled us, and we get a free pass to go back, well, that's not how we're supposed to use our freedom in Christ. Paul said in Romans 6, 2, should we continue in sin so that grace may increase? He said, heaven forbid, in the strongest terms, certainly not. So this chapter is warning us about two fatal flaws that would take the freedom God's given us away. One is, is the rules of religion that says we have to do all these things in order to receive that salvation. And the other is a return to the sinful nature, a return to sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, and orgies and the like. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then Paul provides a contrast to that too. He, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So even Peter talks about living as free men and not using your freedom as a cover for evil. Live as a servant of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Now, during, during Peter's lifetime, the king was probably referring to Caesar. So this isn't just honoring the kings or, or presidents that you like. It's honoring whoever's in that office and giving them their due. This is a pattern for living free and being a servant of God. It talks about being respectful. Once we've been given this life of freedom in Christ, we need to reach out to others. It's a, it's a part of our Christian 
walk. We're not to be rabble-rousers or troublemakers, and our politics need to take a back seat to our life with Christ. It's not that we're not Americans and that we don't have the right to dissent. It's how we go about things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the freedom that you've given us. And we know that it's cost you an awful lot. And that we claim freedom in the blood of Christ. That he died for us so that we could be free. Father, we seek your love and your guidance in our daily walk. That we might serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, there's, there's a way to get this freedom. And there's an invitation that we're offering now. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've not been buried with him in baptism, submitted to him, see, baptism's not something we do, it's a submission. We submit being done to us. It's a washing away of our sins and granting us this free life in Christ. If you have a decision to make, come forward as a hymn is sung.